Welcome to the Story Machine 9000, a podcast where we conceptualize movies based on the 48-hour concept. We create stories using four elements, a genre, a prop, a line of dialogue, and a location. It's kind of like the underneath of a table at a restaurant. It's filled with gum and graffiti and, you know, maybe there's a there's like a gumdrop or something down there. It's just a, a, a hodgepodge of uh, bacteria. My name is Joshua Lytle. I'm a filmmaker, podcaster, and storyteller. I'm Chris Wegman. I am a filmmaker and a podcaster. Yeah. Hi, my name is Justin Teal, and I design websites by day and Dungeon Master at night. Cool. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah. Uh, clearly, we only have three storytellers today, no, so no special guests. But that won't stop us from firing up the machine. So let's uh, let's get going. Uh, we actually outfitted the machine with a car style ignition. So Justin, if you wouldn't mind uh, uh, taking uh, this uh, this set of keys and and well, I'm, I'm, we got to find the right one. Uh, um, uh, I think this is it. If you want to turn the uh, turn the turn the engine on, so to speak. Yeah, unless you hear. I don't know. It's turning over. Yeah, let me uh, give some gas. Yeah, there, there, there we go. Now it's, now it's running. I was gonna say you gotta pop the clutch, but oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know what that means. You gotta give give the choke. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here we go. Okay. Looks like our uh, elements are printing out right now. Our genre is film noir. Okay. Interesting. Um, and the prop prop is. Uh, Prop is a dog collar. Um, uh, our line is um, wood is more durable than you think, and um, the location is uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. Wow! All right. I guess my first question is the uh, the video novice is what is a film noir? So, what I kind of think about film noir. Uh, apart from being from a specific time in history, around like the 30s and 40s, usually in black and white, that's why it's called a film noir. In the traditional sense is like it has to do with a main male character who is like very unlucky and through the story is sort of corrupted by evil and, and usually the evil is a like a seductive woman. Okay, and so I guess another question would be like who is usually the antagonist in these movies is it like to me it keeps conjuring up somewhat of a mafia feel is that kind of how it ends up or the antagonist it's usually a uh, I mean it could be like a mobster or a, a, an outside you know some some other it's I'm not saying that the woman is the antagonist but she's the corrupter of the main character but so is it usually a detective yeah, like the Texas okay. story. So you've got like the Maltese Falcon and the one where he opens up the box and like the light comes out of it. Well, that's where like that whole Pulp Fiction. Well, I would say that's where the scene from Pulp Fiction <laughs> okay. and like the, some some of that other stuff. Like there's like a bunch of references to it, and I can't remember what it's called. The glowy box. The glowy box movie. <laughs> uh, but then like it's it's also sort of a style, you know. So uh, detective movies, have, like modern detective movies, kind of go off that rough lone cop guy kind of thing yeah i mean like as a star trek fan they did an episode with that where captain picard was really into like i don't think it was dick tracy but like yeah um very like detective stuff and he has mm-hmm. his office and his hat and some girl comes in yeah red dress perfect yeah okay. uh, uh dick tracy yes is probably a really good example of film noir oh, so really? it's okay 
uh, again, I don't know if Dick Tracy was black and white. And I, not that black, being black and white is sort of the qualifying factor for a film noir. What were the other elements? If we're done talking yeah, about Yeah, yeah. So, um, dog collar. Uh, the line is, what is more durable than you think? And then the location is leaning tower pizza, which seems okay. to be the worst. So, but really? I don't know. I feel I mean, like that's pretty grounding. Well, I only thought that because they seem very American-esque movies. Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, they, and mm-hmm. I can see being there being sort of a, a you know, the allure of travel, travel. and mm-hmm. especially Italy, mm-hmm. you know, sort of conjures yeah. up these these sort of feelings of like drama mm-hmm. and romance, and especially if we're talking about mobsters and stuff like that, mm-hmm. obvi- there's there's sort of obvious uh, connections there. So I'm going to call out two things yeah. based on the prop and the location. So the dog collar makes me think of like the Maltese Falcon, like an item that everybody wants. And then going off on a weird tangent, I think of Men in Black, how the cat had the universe on its collar. And and, and at the risk of not saying yes, and I was I was kind of, you know, there's this idea of the femme fatale and she's got a sort of a job for our our protagonist. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe we can explore some role reversals there. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like the idea of maybe the dog collar being the the, the only thing clue. That people are after. You know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's some secret uh, on the dog collar. Yeah. I mean, because I, I with the whole role reversal, I did think it might be neat. Maybe it's coming off the Wonder Woman high of seeing a like woman detective and like this very attractive man in like a suit like comes in and tries to sort of seduce her. But also is trying to get her to do the job. I know you and I watched like the very first episode of Lilyhammer. Yeah, you and I is Chris and Josh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, but and then so there, there's a there's a female police officer, and likewise, mm-hmm. you know, something like uh, Fargo. There's a you know a, a female mm-hmm. uh, lead. Oh, you guys are talking about Zootopia. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. I, so so I I, <laughs> I I I guess what I'm trying to say is I wonder if there's a way that we can maybe work. The, this sort of uh, female police officer, police chief angle into it, mm-hmm. only because I, I I feel like the the sort of the private eye thing. One because I feel like we've done it. Please see uh, uh, PIP episode five. So I, I kind of like this idea of like a you know maybe there's like a an Italian female police officer, a la uh, Francis McDermott in uh, uh, Fargo or something like that. So the idea would be that this would be taking place in Italy. I kind of thought about that too, you know, like a, a, a Ocean's 12, Vespa's, uh, you know, lady cop. This is our... Oh, yeah, it could be like, you know, so she, she is a cop, and, and it's, it's a little bit about her corruption, you know, from, from the good side of the law to more of the vigilante side okay, of the yeah. law. So, okay. so in order to do the job, she kind of has to go, I, would you consider it above the law? She yeah, just basically, basically has to become a vigilante <laughs> in order to get yeah. the job done. Yeah. And not so like, not so like rough and tough, you know, uh, yeah, more maybe diehard more. sort of way, but in more of a smoother sort of, she yeah. just starts to do shady things yeah. and that's her demise. Kind of like a stealthy, if in terms that Justin can can grasp, like a more of like a rogue kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, yeah. So is the idea that so with film noir, does she <clears throat> does the protagonist sort of have to have moral moral things? They do have moral dilemmas. Okay, and so like, at some point, like oh, to get what she needs, either like she has to steal something or yeah. Murder so or, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of yeah. Ourselves. I was just but in a lot of film noirs, I think the 
main character dies or does not get what they were looking for. They oh. kind of get, yeah. Interesting. Like, okay. So I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I just want to say that's a possibility. Well, I, I, I don't think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think, I think this is the perfect time to have this conversation, you know, because now we kind of have some sort of direction as it relates to our ending. Uh, I, I kind of want to continue to unpack this a little bit. So, uh, we have sort of some of our elements of a film noir. Uh, you know, we have this female lead who is a cop in Italy. If you had to describe the sort of prototypical alignment of a the hero or protagonist in a film noir film, what would it be? Like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking kind of chaotic neutral. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, to Justin's point, like, they do what they need to do to get the job done? Or is but, that... But if... I think that's the idea of a like a private detective yeah. compared to a cop. So like a private right. detective is more neutral than a cop is. Okay. And I think it could be interesting to maybe push it and make her more of the cop, like someone who's, who's yes, righteously good. You know, if we're in D and D terms, like more of a lawful slash like lawful righteous good. good. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a cop. So a cop would be in D and D would be lawful at least first. Yeah. And so like everything they're doing is they're doing it by whatever the laws are. Mm-hmm. And so good is kind of a, they, they could just be lawful and not be good. Like, lawful neutral would just be, like, the jerk cop that throws you in jail for speeding. Got it. Okay. Um, but lawful good would maybe maybe they let you off because you were taking your kid to the hospital or something. Got it. Okay. And I, and I, and I, I hate to double back just because we, we, we our time is brief, yeah, but right. I kind of like where Chris was going, and, and maybe I got too sort of wrapped up in the, the traditional – uh, private investigator, PI, gumshoe sort of mm-hmm. uh, uh, idea, and there there are still contemporary versions of that. There there are private investigators that you can hire. You know, you can go online and you can hire these people. Again, I hate to double back, but maybe it's just it's it's a female private investigator, and somebody comes to her with a job, and if we had to put her on this sort of the 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 D and D matrix. She's kind of lawful. Well, so now if you're going with private eye, yeah, the chaotics will work for that. Like, I'm, okay. I'm cool with that, and and well, maybe it can cha- chaotic maybe, good. Yeah, okay. Maybe it can work into her. Uh, I think a lot of times it, it could work into her backstory that she was a cop and something turned her off to being so righteously good, you know, yeah. lawful to like, well, this is just a job I do. Like, I don't really ask questions. I just kind of. In, in that sense, too, it's interesting because it makes it sound more of like she already made the moral judgment to be good. And so maybe she was going up this good path and whatever this journey she's on for the collar now or whatever the, the quest is, like brings her back down to doing moral, um, like questioning her moral again. Yeah. Okay. So do you guys think it would be better to talk about the collar? Maybe that would create some story or talk about her as a character, like a name. I, I feel like we kind of have a, uh, a rough idea of what this character's alignment is which i think is is kind of um kind of enough in terms of how she makes decisions and and that sort of thing we said she was sort of chaotic good mm-hmm. i think yeah. is yeah so then if i like the idea that this dog collar is like so let's talk about that if that's like the main thing i guess i go to is it like just a certain like valuable that like was stolen yeah. or I kind of like what you were stepping in earlier, Chris, because, yeah, it's a sort of desirable item, and it's sort of inconspicuous. And I think that's that's kind of the fun about it, is mm-hmm. that... So rather than it being the sort of clue, it's the it's the thing that they're searching for. And so it's sort of... It's got this sort of, you know, crown jewels, Maltese falcon mm-hmm. sort of vibe to it. And so 
maybe it's uh, the collar belongs to the the dog of a specific, uh, you know, either royalty or just sort of upper echelon sort mm-hmm. of character or something yeah. like that. And that's why they've hired our uh, uh, PI character. So is the dog collar for a dog? The dog, I think the collar is worn by a dog. Okay. Yeah. And so is the dog owned by basically the rich good person. guys or bad guys? Because I thought it might be interesting if it was bad guys, they're sending someone else to talk to her, but they're not saying who the actual client is, which I think might also be somewhat mm-hmm. stereotypical. I was, oh, good. No, I was going to say, I, I think, I think that's kind of the fun. The, the fun in that is that the audience doesn't quite know yet by virtue of our character being chaotic. Good. They're going to take on the job regardless because it means, you know, it means revenue. It means they get a paycheck, but they're not really concerned with, you know, which side of the, uh, the aisle that they're helping. Okay. What if the person who comes to our private investigator is looking for like protection and information? So they say, you know, my client mm-hmm. is being threatened by somebody, like this unknown person, okay. because they have this valuable item, and I'm we're she's fearful for her life, and we need you to find out who the. Like, like the, you know, they get the letter that's that's cut out of newspaper clippings that says, like, you know, give us the dog collar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, so, well, I mean, I, um, I, I think that, I think that works in the case if there's some sort of ransom involved. Yeah. Well, so, if but, we, but it could play. But I, I can't just send you a threatening letter because I want your toaster. But yeah. I well, I mean, but what if, so what if they actually captured someone's dog? Like, so I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but yeah. if, they, if they captured someone's dog, and let's say the person who owned the dog was somewhat evil, and the co- the dog has a collar that has some sort of like I don't want to say poison or something. Something so, like so, so the collar is important, but they're ransoming the dog back to them, mm-hmm. and the person really just wants the collar back, and the dog could, is pointless. So anyway. so I didn't want to like play my hand yet, <laughs> but what I was trying to get at, which I kind of like where you were going, is that what if the the villains own the 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 villains own the dog mm-hmm. and the collar and they need to pin the murder on somebody and so they are using the cop or they're sorry they're using the private eye as like to pin so like they're saying go investigate this and find out who the murderer is and it turns out that they're actually just trying to pin the murder on her I mean, I, I, I don't know yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like it would it would be a fun twist mm-hmm. on the whole thing, right? That's why I didn't want to like yeah. throw it away yet. In in the interest of time, mm-hmm. I think it might be it might be best just to pursue sort of a, a sort of classic ransom scenario. Like I I kind of like where Justin was going, where in a in a way the 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 dog is sort of the red herring. So this person uh, uh, comes to our private private eye character with this job to retrieve um, his missing dog, and unbeknownst to our PI. He doesn't really want the dog as much mm. as he wants the collar because the collar has something important, mm. some sort of some sort of value that's not really evident or explicit at the moment. So that opening scene before the actual introduction of the PI is like a dark uh, villa, and there's a person sort of sneaking through it in black clothing, and they go and they like like they come across a sleeping dog and they like pick it up and take it away, and so you you see the the sm- the burgle of the dog. The burgling of the dog. So do we? <laughs> That's what it's called. The burgling of the dog. <laughs> so, um, 
<laughs> is the is the item on the is the collar just like super rare or is it does it contain like so I, some sort of let's let's talk or, about it yeah, like yeah. maybe i mean it could be anything it could be super rare it could have if, if it's sort of a period piece or something like that it could have like microfilm mm-hmm. in it like like let's talk let's unpack that a little bit because let's talk about what why the collar is desirable the only reason i bring that up to two is like i like the idea let's say the collar was really rare like mm-hmm. i want the dog's name to be like treasure or something and so like whatever the dog's name is kind of ties back to what the collar is okay so it's like rich people putting like overly expensive things on their animals yeah like 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 a really large diamond but what justin's saying is like the dog almost has a code name yeah yeah the dog's name is treasure but also their like private their like prized possession is on their dog's neck like which you know if 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 I wanted to hide something, there's this sort of, you know, uh, this concept of sight. yeah, hiding it in plain sight. Yep. And so that's where you would, sorry, men in black. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just going to rip yeah. it right off. Well, the- Cause the only other th- idea I had was still is like, is the collars somehow containing a key like to their treasure and either names for sure. Like I like also like the name Keela for their dog, but like, that's the way they get all their monies. It's the, the dog's collar has a key to some lockbox or something. And they always take it to the bank with them and all this stuff. And so the person stole it doesn't realize that that is very, the key. Very Da Vinci code. They're just, they're <laughs> yeah. just winning like a million dollars or a billion or something too much. But like it's they have more than the key would give them access to a lot more, but they don't know it. The collar would be very unassuming then because it would just be like a, a metal pendant with sort of a pin on it yeah so it could look like an actual dog collar instead of being a giant gold and you know diamond yeah item okay so i think um i think let's let's take a break Mm -hmm. and then when we come back we're gonna really sort of shore up what the significance of this collar is and then maybe what we can do is we can sort of start again from the beginning and really sort of lay out the story uh uh end to end and mm-hmm. just kind of talk about the, the series of events that leads to as chris mentioned earlier this sort of you know corrupting de- corrupting demise i mean i think you made it pretty clear that normally in these films the the, the hero or the protagonist doesn't always get what but they the, want yeah so uh we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back so uh you care about certain things in your life right guys maybe it's uh maybe it's your car or a boat yeah <laughs> well maybe it's your car clothes Maybe your career. What about the other C words in your life? Mm. Me, Chris. We care about you, Chris, but uh, but what about coffee? I don't drink coffee. Well, maybe you should, actually, because if you cared, you wouldn't pay for crazy prices for mass-produced coffee, or you could actually give a damn, Chris, and grind and brew some Abercadabra coffee. That's right. Abercadabra single-origin coffee is grown by farmers who give a damn and roasted in the mountains of southern Vermont by people who give a damn. So give a damn, damn it, Chris. And get yourself some today by visiting abracadabracoffee.com. Yes, friends, that's abracadabracoffee.com. And tell them the Story Machine 9000 sent you. And we're back. Last we left, we were trying to figure out the significance of this collar. And I think uh, uh, maybe a helpful exercise would be to figure out uh, what are the stakes, right? And so is this does this collar have global implications or is it personal? And maybe a, a, a way of figuring that out is, you know, identifying our antagonist so yeah. for example if it's a mafia boss or something like that it's it's going to be probably a little bit more personal because you know it's not like a you know crime crime lord or something like that is going to launch a nuclear missile yeah right like personal as in either um like actually affects them or like money right is that like 
Yeah, it so, could be, yeah, money. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think, because we kind of wrapped, we kind of ended uh, before the break with the idea that maybe it's it's sort of an unassuming collar on the dog that is actually a, a, a code to a lockbox. It's it, it's important that way that it's the code to a, a fortune. And so I could see it being, oh, the dog being owned by, like, a mafia boss. Um so that way, that way, when the middleman comes to our protagonist and says that they need help, she knows that like she's getting into kind of shady business, but it's good money. She knows that like she's helping this bad guy, but it's good money, and that tempts her to take the job. In that same vein, mm-hmm. I like this idea that this stranger comes to our uh, PI character, who eventually will get a name, I'm yeah. sure. He shows up as kind of the mouthpiece for this crime lord, mm-hmm. for this mafia boss. Yeah. Unbeknownst to the audience that he's actually the mafia boss. Uh-huh. And that he wants his dog back because somebody stole it as retribution for some sort of crime, you know, family mm-hmm. uh, uh, battle or something like that. And so, hit. unbeknownst to her, she's working for the bad guy. Would she know? Does she know that that's the, like? Because if if um, if I'm the middleman coming to talk to the PI, I say like, someone's you know my client's dog was stolen, and they need it back. And they say she's like, it's just a dog. I'm not interested. And he says, well, they'll pay you a million dollars. And they're like, who owns? Who has a million dollars? Who will actually pay to get their dog back? And and through some clues, you kind of get that. It's well, the mafia boss. I like the idea that yeah, maybe she doesn't know because like say we're in Italy, like there's you know like people like even here like Paris Hilton and stuff with those dogs. Like a lot of people have dogs that they'd pay a lot to get back, and so. But I like the fact that she maybe she just takes it because it's a dog. They're threatening its life and it's good money. But then like soon into it, she finds out who she's working for, and at that point, it's he like, could just say my client's famous or my yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean like my client's some, important. Yeah, and so that's where at some point though she figures it out, and now she's in too deep. Like maybe she's learned some sort of secret, but like she's in too deep now to turn her back because or they threaten her life with with something. But so when yeah. you were saying that it was for retru- it was in retribution for a hit. Do you think the burglars don't know what's on the dog's collar? Yes, I, I don't think they do because from the client, mm. from the bad guy's perspective, it's like if your drugs are stolen, you don't go to the cops, right? Mm. Like that's not how you you get your drugs back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so okay, no, I got that, I got that, and maybe that's her demise in the end if she actually finds out too much. So the dog was stolen as retribution for a hit that the mob boss called out. He wants the dog back because the collar is really valuable. Mm-hmm. But neither the burglars nor our PI know that. Right. The reason that the story escalates is because she finds out what's so important about the dog. And that's why she gets her come up. She gets sort of in trouble in the end. Because at some point there should be the the line or something of like well we don't care about the dog just get the just get its collar and i feel like does she make the moral dilemma of like somehow she has she can either save one or the other or is that something that she has to make a choice of maybe maybe she finds the dog at some point but it doesn't actually have the collar on 
and oh maybe she does rescue the dog but it doesn't have the collar on and the the guy gets mad right and, and doesn't know why oh God, and she you, doesn't know why he gets the mad. dog oh that's intense <laughs> that's intense so, so much so much animal death yeah um, okay, I, no, I, I like I like where this is going, and so if I if I had to just kind of recap very very mm-hmm. briefly, is is it my understanding that that the, the person who comes to our PI with the job, he's I think he is the mob boss. Yeah. That was kind of fun. I mean, I, I, but he's I, pretending to be a middleman. Yeah, I like the the fact that initially in the beginning of the film, everyone thinks that he's just kind of like a, a an unassuming mouthpiece for. And, and I like the idea that he maybe he is like a young, handsome, suave yeah. guy, and that might tempt. Our character to get into this to get into trouble a little more yeah she's lonely and then she'll end up tru- well. and then she'll end up trusting him too much too right okay yeah. so, so her name is yeah let's let's give her a name so we can kind of recap this properly so far fiona so, sure is that italian yeah i think so I know, yeah sounds I, italian enough. for me fiona <laughs> yeah carapelli yeah italian is american pizza yeah Italian is cheese pizza. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's stuffed crust pizza. <laughs> yeah. So Fiona Filippelli, okay. Private Eye. <laughs> what? I, I feel like we've gone down this road before. I don't know if she needs a list. That's name. true. Okay. All right. So Fiona is a private eye. So I, it might sitting be in her of, office. Sort of important. What's her detective agency called? Like, that's going to be like the first thing you see, like, on, on the, the door. Yeah. Um, One broke girl detecting <laughs> i don't know i think it could be kind of fun if it was uh uh i don't know some somewhat symbolic or foreshadowing or you know significant in some way and so when we think about a dog a dog collar and you know maybe it's like a sort of a cat and dog sort of thing you know maybe uh it's like um black cat black mm. cat detective agency Oh, so we could like think of her as the cat and the other dude as the dog, and there's sort of a um, metaphor there of dogs chasing cats. So, what's the uh, mob boss's name? Mm. The one that comes to her, at least. Mark, with M A C though. That's Mark. 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 Um, no, I mean Mark. Okay. Well, it would be like I mean, I'm it, sure there's a longer version. Is it of Marco? That. Marco. Marco. Yeah. yeah. But he calls himself Mark. Yeah. Marque. But but is that his is that his mob boss name or is that his I'm undercover as the middleman? Um, let's say that his name is Marco, and that's that is his real name. Mm-hmm. But as far as everyone else is concerned, it's his alias because no one actually no knows. one who knows him would actually call him Marco. That's true because you know they actually call him the White Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. That's what they call me. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I follow that completely. But, well, I'm um, saying the mob bosses, like no one knows who the, no one's seen him, like the mob, bo- like the, the, the head honcho. He's just known as the blank, which is the white dagger. I don't know. Yeah, yep. it was the first we're, word. We're that sticking came. with. All it. right. Yep. So he's the white dagger. So, so um, the only <laughs> other thing I was thinking it might be fun because I feel like, as as little as I know about these movies, that when the usually the female person comes in, they always have like some sort of like line or something and so i don't know if he can fit in the guy that comes in the, yeah. the wood is wood more is... durable than you think and so like how does that fit into mm, yeah no thank you for keeping us yeah. honest because we we tend to forget about at least one of these things mm-hmm. um, it definitely has happened to us before um and i don't know like is is someone's gang name like somewhat 
reminiscent to wood like th- that was the first thing i was trying to think of like is the opposite gang's name like the forest which is which it's is lame, spruce but spruce goose <laughs> maybe um i don't i'm, I'm just i'm, yeah. I'm just kind of i'm just gonna throw it out there and sort of free associate but i mean what if uh the the one of the sort of fronts that the that this mafia family uses is a like a furniture factory like mm. that's their sort of base of operations mm-hmm. and and that's I, I always see these film noir things as I, I kind of picture them as going down like some of the final scenes going down in like a factory setting mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. and so maybe they make um maybe they make mannequins you know so Wooden, like yeah heads. so so I, I picture this 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 kind of uh you know quasi creepy scene at the end of the film where uh our pi character you know wanders into the mannequin factory maybe maybe it's before i, I don't know if she know, knows exactly who she's working for yet but i like this 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 idea of this scene where she kind of walks into this mannequin factory with a flashlight and mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of got a creepy vibe to it and and at the same time we can maybe sort of shoehorn the the, the line in there someplace yeah, like if they shoot into to it or something or is he like using it as a shield in the factory oh or? yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's it's that um it's maybe a little played out but it's that idea that somebody gets shot and they have a, a certain like the clint eastwood yeah they've got a certain scene. something underneath there you remember the third back to the future no damn yeah <laughs> Son of a bitch. no no so um I, I so I, I like that, and because it's it's it works on two levels. One because we can kind of incorporate the the material the the line in there somehow, and two it's you know it it, it has a sort of significant plot purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mark arrives on the doorstep of Fiona's private investigation office. Yes. Black Cat Detective Agency. Black Cat yeah. Black Cat Detective Agency, and he says that his client. His client's dog has been stolen and is being held ransom for a lot of money. And the owner wants it back. And Fiona's job is to be locate the... Maybe it's really simple. They just want her to go get the dog. And Mark doesn't want any ties to his boss. His, right. Yes. So it's, it's really simple. Because, like I was saying... So, like, the beginning of the movie is really simple. She's like, okay, it's super... She doesn't understand why she's being paid a million dollars, but Mark's handsome, and she needs the money, and so she goes with it. And she knows it's 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 borderline illicit. So, mm-hmm. and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I just want to make sure I'm tracking. At this juncture, when he when Mark walks into the door and propositions uh, uh, Fiona, does she know that he has connections to the mob yet? So she knows that something's up because no one would. She doesn't feel like any normal person would pay a million dollars just to get their dog back. I, I would like to think that maybe she like she questioned him and he's like, "Well, you know, my girlfriends are very expensive. This was her dog, and maybe he sells it that way and like yeah. kind of plays up that he's a like sort of a player, but he's also like super footing with mm-hmm. her and says like he has multiple girlfriends mm-hmm. and like being very like she's out of well. town and you know I don't want." To her to come home and yeah. find out her dog is missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, I actually, sorry, that doesn't quite work because Mark is the middleman. So he says his 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 I, his boss. I thought is, he was both. Well, he is, but she doesn't know that. Okay. Why would why would he pretend? Okay, be, so my boss's girlfriend. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yes. It's very important to my boss because his wife, his girlfriend, will be so devastated when this dog gets. When she finds out this dog has been stolen, you need to go broker the deal. That, it doesn't matter how much money it is. 
Kind of like the Big Lebowski, like they're paying to okay. get her back. That works better because then he can still like flirt with her. Yeah. Because it's his boss's. Yeah. Yep. And so moving forward, it's actually really simple that the job that she has to do, Fiona has to take the money and meet the burglars at the Leaning Tower of Pisa and tra- give them the money and she gets the dog and then she gets to give the dog back to Mark. Mm-hmm. And so that's the the next scene is sort of her waiting outside of the leaning tower. There's some tension because it seems really simple, almost too simple. And when she 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 exchanges, maybe maybe that's where we can get a clue. The the person who exchanges the dog for the money gives some sort of clue as to who she's working for. Like he's like, why are like. So I like that, and, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if you're going with this, but I like the idea that maybe that's the scene where someone goes, "Oh, by the way, take that collar off. That looks kind of expensive." Because it is maybe. Well, maybe I don't think they. Have... I don't think they notice that the collar isn't noticed yet. Because remember, we were talking about how Mark gets really, really angry when she gives him the dog well, back, and there's no collar. And that's where I was wondering, maybe it does have jewel. Like it looks expensive, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Like it holds a key. But so like that's where like they go take that necklace, they take the collar off the dog. So they end up still giving her the dog, and so she takes it because that's what her job was like the collar wasn't important maybe they don't stress that and so then now her next job is she has to go get the collar what if we show it by instead of it being dialogue where so the the very beginning scene that we had was some a pair of hands like taking the dog away and obviously we would see the collar in that scene Mm -hmm. so maybe juxtaposed with her walking up to the leaning tower is someone like carrying the dog and sort of getting ready to hand it off to her and in that scene we see them take off the collar so we don't actually hear them say it we just see the collar being taken off yeah and we think maybe they're trying to to hide the fact that this is the dog so when they give it back to her like the audience knows but it's not explicitly said. She's never seen it without. And she she well yeah she's never seen the collar so yeah yeah, I like that. But the audience knows that something's up. Yep. And so she's handed back the dog. I can't think of what the the person handing the dog back should say. Maybe it's something even. But as I think easy it should get. Maybe it starts to. It's something that leads to the fact that she's working for the, I was gonna the say, mob. Maybe it's as easy as like what the white dagger can't show up to get his own girlfriend's mm-hmm. dog or something, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know who the white dagger. Or is. She's like a white dog for the white dagger. He, that's what he says. <laughs> I imagine it's like a really tiny, fluffy dog. Yeah. So maybe they accidentally like find out what's on that collar or something, right? So like they capture the dog just thinking they're doing retribution, and then they send out that ransom letter, and then afterwards they find out what's actually on that collar, and then they still give up the dog to get their first like cash in. Okay, I see where you're coming yep. from. Yep. It makes sense that they don't understand the significance of the collar until after they've already kidnapped the dog and so maybe it's just a gang of you know buffoons or something like that I mean, it's still they, a rival gang right you know and they, they think they can squeeze a little bit of money out of this mafia by kidnapping the dog and so, then so they, maybe we throw another scene in instead of the scene where they take the collar off as they're bringing the dog to be ransom maybe we show another scene where the hands like take the collar off so they can tie a rope around the dog's neck so that it's like chained up in a a warehouse and that's at the beginning scene in yeah it's after the it's after the it's after the they steal it and it's after we introduce fiona there's just this little cutaway where we see the hands that we saw earlier tie the dog up and take the collar off because they don't need the collar like the collar's worthless quite you know 
and they throw it's in the where it's in their warehouse they just don't know what it is yeah does that help justin yeah so these these uh, this other mob has bit off more than they could chew so the opening scene we see we witness this dog uh named treasure we notice this because of uh the the collar the tag on the collar uh treasure has been kidnapped and that's the opening scene Mm -hmm. right cut to uh fiona's office black cat detective agency marco or mark for short walks through the door and has a proposition uh he says i need you to find this dog and my client is willing to pay you handsomely for it Mm -hmm. and she's you know she needs the money it's you know uh, times are tough and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and so she reluctantly accepts the job yeah and uh, it's not even that she needs to find it she just needs to be the hands that pick it up in exchange of the money it's right a very it's almost too simple of a job right it's it's almost too good to be true because mm-hmm. basically the way mark is positioning it is listen all you have to do is uh uh drop off the money and uh return the dog mm-hmm. that's it yeah. And so, you know, the, it's gotten got this this air of it's too good to be true, but she accepts anyway. And so uh, it's disclosed to her that the drop off point is the leaning tower, the leaning tower of Pisa, which is sort of a public space, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense if you're going to do some sort of illicit activity. Yeah. So cut to uh, leaning tower of Pisa. Uh, Fiona uh, meets with her contact who has the dog and in exchange for the money passes her. Uh, uh, the pooch, mm-hmm. right? And if you're paying attention, you notice that the dog doesn't have a collar. And did we agree that he says something about like a white dog for the white knife? He he definitely gives away like a white dagger. The white like, dagger, that, yeah. like yeah, the white dagger didn't show his face. Or she, we don't need to go into details, but somehow they mention the white dagger, mm-hmm. who maybe she doesn't know at the time, or she might know who it is, but she doesn't get how it's connected until later. Right. Yeah. And so later she. Uh, reunites with uh, with Mark at her office, and she has the dog. But oddly enough, Mark isn't too happy with this, and we at, at the audience doesn't quite understand why. Um, and you know, he's asking, "Where's the collar? Where's the collar? Where's mm-hmm. the collar?" It's almost like he doesn't really care about the dog. He gives her an ultimatum because this is where essentially he shows his mm-hmm. hand. This is yeah. this is ultimately where he shows his hand, right? And he reveals that. You don't know who you're messing with. I think he, yeah, he could go all the way. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I don't appreciate the funny business. Yeah. I, this is I'm who I'm. Marcus. Yeah, I'm. So-and-so. Yeah, I'm. I'm Mar. I'm Marco. Marco. The, Marco yeah. <laughs> the White Dagger, and then she kind of makes the connection, you know, uh, that this is a this is a mob boss or a crime lord, mm-hmm. and he gives her an ultimatum: you have 24 hours to find that collar, mm-hmm. or you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I like to picture this scene as, like, she, maybe at some point she, like, sits down at her desk while he's, like, going off. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I did the deal, yada, yada. And he, like, puts his hands, like, on both corners mm-hmm. and, like, they get that, like, half black over his mm-hmm. face. Yeah. And, like, just, like, kind of almost quietly, like, threatens her life. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. very ma- ma bossy. <laughs> so the gap, the gap we need to fill is the time between her re- getting the collar and returning it to the mannequin factory because that's ultimately where the next drop-off point is so she needs to she she has a 24-hour ultimatum where she needs to collect the collar and bring it back to mark or marco 
the white mm. dagger at the mannequin factory where spoiler alert she's going to meet her doom right okay so the easiest way i thought of her finding out what the collar is is do the mobsters from the other side actually show up in like the mannequin factory van and so that's how she like oh well i saw that they, they show up in that van and so she instantly like tracks them down to that location you can notice it maybe it's a it's a clue that you kind of see but isn't really thrown okay out there. yeah Okay, so uh, Mark gives her the 24-hour ultimatum that she needs to find the collar or she's a goner. And she remembers uh, seeing this mannequin, this van full of wooden mannequins or something like that at the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And that's where uh, her original contact, the person who had given her the dog, kind of walked toward, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some connections made that that's maybe where they went. So she goes there unbeknownst to her. She's actually followed by Marco and some of his goons Mm -hmm. because at this point they can't trust her. And really she knows too much anyhow, because Marco flipped out at her Yeah, and they're, they're going to follow her. They're going to collect the collar and then they're going to kill her. That's Mm -hmm. kind of, so she's just trying to get to them. She's just getting them there. Yeah. She's doing the detective work Mm -hmm. in order to, find the collar and they're just gonna you know take care of business Mm -hmm. after they get it is that cool makes sense so she arrives at the uh the mannequin factory and you know through a series of events she's able to find the collar not she nearly not that she necessarily gets it but she finds it and then even though it is you know just like any other good mob location even though it's a mannequin factory there's a lot of guys with guns hanging out around well and so that's where like i don't know i have this iconic scene is that maybe she finds it like she picks it up and i don't know exactly how this turns out but like a gunfight between because to josh's point she was being followed by marco's mob the other mobs there there's a gunfight she's in the middle yeah she's trying to hide well at some point i want like a slow-mo of the collar like hitting the ground and maybe it, it bounces and the key pops out well, locket. I think the, what it was, like a lockbox, you need a code. You have to, like, show a code. Like you have to have oh, I thought we had, the, like, a, a pendant or something with, like, a key in it, almost like mm-hmm. a locket or something. Or it's like a pin. I guess it depends on what time period we put this in, which isn't important. Yeah. Um, so this giant fight breaks out between uh, Marco and his goons and the rival gang, and even Fiona exchanges some fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. But through a series of events, uh, she's able to... Oh, she gets shot. Right. In, the, in the fight, she gets wounded, and she's kind of, like, limping along. Yeah, towards the end. It's kind of like a like a, a usual suspects kind of thing. Okay, so she's caught in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. She's she's shot mortally. She's mortally wounded. Um, it could be a leg. Yeah, okay, yeah, so she's She's going to finish her off. Yeah, and um, we still need to work the line in there. Let's not yeah. forget that. So um, she's kind of bobbing and weaving through these mannequins, dodging, uh, dodging these bullets, one hits she's she's directly behind a mannequin and someone shoots it and she falls and to the audience the the impression that we get is that she's been shot the bullet's gone through the through the mannequin right Mm -hmm. and so marco sees this as an opportunity to to advance on the rival gang and so they finish them off right Mm -hmm. and so he's got the collar he's going he's slowly approaching fiona who he assumes is mortally wounded Mm -hmm. and turns out she's fine and she says, uh, you know, turns out that uh, that wood is more durable than you think because she's unharmed mm-hmm. because the bullet's stuck in the mannequin. And she pulls a gun. However, Marco's too quick. 
and they shoot? yeah marco shoots her mm-hmm. um she, she probably gets him yeah but it might be like a through and through yeah like it doesn't maybe, kill him yeah let's let's say let's give him sort oh, of like yeah, a legendary yeah. badass scar, scar or something like yeah, that there we go really sort of solidifying his badass mm-hmm. mafia bossness mm-hmm. so I, really, I really want to throw this in but i know we have to end it maybe he didn't reveal who he was back in her office he still gets pissed and still gives her an ultimatum right. because her bo- his boss is a big okay beat. well he says he works for the white daggers yeah, something like okay. yeah but he plays like a good cop bad cop so he's he does the he gets really mad at first and then he becomes really tender with her and maybe there is some sort of like relationship mm-hmm. that starts but not relationship but like he he treats her nicely he seduces her he seduces her a bit so that when she goes to find this thing she's feeling kind of good about herself like she's helping this person that she kind of likes when the fight breaks out she falls down uh, like you said the mannequin gets shot you think that she's injured and he walks up to her and that's when he reveals that he's the white dag after as he's walking up to her he asks if she has the pendant the dagger or the collar the collar she hands it over mm-hmm. he tells her who she is he is and he gets ready to shoot her because she knows too much and that's where she tries to get him first because she realizes she's been duped and that like she was betrayed and so she tries to shoot him she gives him the scar he kills her does that kind of maybe tie things up in a little more sexy way yeah. or or so we could cut out all that stuff that's one no, like, sexy button yeah no i like I like how that ends that. Okay. Because okay. then there's a little bit more tension between the two of them. Yeah. And then I like the idea that after she gets killed, we think it's the end of the story, but then we see why everyone was fighting about it so much is Marco, he goes to this fancy bank, he types in the code, and then we see him walk in this vault and he's got this badass scar across his cheek and we know that like she gave it to him and that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, and fade, fade to black. black. All right. Cool. Nice. All right. Um, so a few uh, housekeeping items. We, uh, we need to give it a title. Yeah. Like I, I, I'd hate to put such a you know funny spin on it, you know. But it like you know you'd be like barking up the wrong tree, or <laughs> you know it's. Uh, uh, I was gonna say like um, canine instinct or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, animal, animal. Animal instinct. Animal instinct. <laughs> that work? Because there's the whole like yeah. They're they're like it just sounds like a movie already, but maybe does it? It's not. Is it a movie? Know. I don't know. I just. You don't have to ask the email machine. Just no, I'll just look it up. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure it is, but I'm sure a lot of the stuff. The, uh, the email machine and us aren't on uh, speaking terms. We right took now. out its batteries. Animal instinct. It's pornographic films. So I think we're safe. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, animal instinct is. <laughs> it's only a porn. No one cares about that. <laughs> It's from 1992, so it must be really yeah. famous or something. All right. The title is Animal Instinct. Be, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. There we go. Uh, deal with it. <laughs> I don't know if this would be like a really good uh, like feature film, but it'll definitely be like a cool short. Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's it, I mean, it's it, it's got the hallmarks of like a TV episode or something yeah. like that. I mean, it definitely doesn't have all the beats that, that are necessary or required for a feature length film but yeah, good, uh, good i mean I, w- I would watch this as a as a tv mm-hmm. episode or a short or something yeah. like that it's, this was like the twilight zone yeah, yeah sure if you have any ideas on what the name of the company is called that makes the mannequins where the final scene takes place feel free to hit us up on twitter at story machine 9k hashtag sm9k or you can email us at story machine 9000 at gmail.com 
Our logo design was by David Padgett, our music by Dave Ailing. This episode was edited by Justin Teal, mixing by Dave Ailing, and additional technical support by Justin Teal. You can find and rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. I can't believe the whole movie is on YouTube. Thank you.